This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to World Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin, and I am glad that you guys are here today on our last show. Not a lot of good news, or at least a lot more bad news than good news. On today's show, there will be a lot more good news, um, at least more good news than bad news, maybe more encouraging news um, when it comes to the Alabama football program. We've got uh, some transfer portal additions that we will discuss. The staff has been out recruiting, handing out new offers. Alabama also hosted some high-profile targets on an official visit this past weekend in Tuscaloosa. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, and we're going to catch up with all of that um, with our staff writer and recruiting expert, Brett Greenberg. Brett, my man, how are you doing? Oh, good, man. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. kind of like being the one to bring, I guess, good news or encouraging news versus, you know, other guys. But, yeah, it's been a kind of a whirlwind of the last two or so weeks, I believe. I believe it's 13 days uh, since Nick Saban retired. Um, I know a lot of Alabama fans are very quickly, you know, what's Caleb DeBoer doing? What, you know, why is this 25 kid you know, decommitting and saying he's getting not getting talked to. But, you know, we've seen over the last couple of days uh, a lot of assistant coaches, including head coach Caleb DeBoer, get on the road. So, you know, we're starting to see these contracts being finalized. And uh, uh, you couldn't, to me personally, couldn't have asked for a better weekend up in Tuscaloosa. I know some Alabama fans would have really loved uh, Ryan Williams, you know, five-star receiver out of Sarah Land, to recommit uh, on the spot during his official visit. I, you know, kind of hinted at it on Bama 247 all week leading up and throughout the weekend. Never really uh, as good as it could have gone. I think it went great, um, but I don't think there's any circumstance where he was going to commit uh, over the weekend, but kind of saying that on the boards all weekend. He's going to take his official visit to uh, Texas next weekend, going to take his official visit to Auburn uh, the following weekend before his signing day. But yeah, overall, I mean, Cody, like you said, it was a great weekend, you know, had a lot of people in town, a couple of former Washington guys that came on the board and his staff didn't end up uh, kept from leaving campus. So, you know, joining the team and Parker Brailsford, uh, freshman All-American center, Austin Mack, a quarterback with four years of eligibility, and then Jeremy Bernard, another offensive weapon, kind of that Swiss Army knife. Uh, that seems to really think, really seem like he's going to thrive in a Caleb DeBoer, uh, Ryan Grubb, Scott Huff, Marcus Shepard offense. Yeah, we got a lot that we're going to get to. Um, you know, staff not 110% finalized, but um, I know that Kalen DeBoer, we touched on this on the last show, acted very quickly to put his offensive staff together so that he could at least, you know, have people in Tuscaloosa, have people out on the recruiting trail. The defensive staff is. 90% the way done. Um, I haven't had any official announcement, but obviously we've been keeping tabs on everybody. Um, and like you mentioned, um, clearly we know contracts are getting signed because uh, these guys are out recruiting, um, which is obviously right into your wheelhouse. Which is what we're going to talk about on today's show, right? We'll get to uh, the latest transfer portal additions. You mentioned a few of them there. Um, some trends we're seeing from the new staff on the recruiting trail. Seems like they're handing out a lot of 2025 offers. 
you know, now that they're kind of a week into the job. But I did want to start with this past weekend. You kind of touched on it already. Alabama hosted some pretty big targets. Um, you know, you mentioned Ryan Williams, um, five-star receiver in the 2024 class, guy who reclassified. He was a longtime commit. Nick Saban retires. He decommits. Um, seems like everything else outside of that still status quo when it comes to Ryan Williams. He's going to take his visits. Seems like he had a pretty good time in Tuscaloosa this weekend. I'll ask you a little bit about that. But also, um, you know, another guy to keep an eye on, Noah Carter, um, edge defender who originally signed with Washington as part of the 2024 class. He got released from his national letter of intent from Washington. He was in Tuscaloosa. Uh, you mentioned Jabbar Muhammad, uh, former Washington player that's in the transfer portal, cornerback. Um, another guy that seems to be taking his visits. He was uh, at Texas before he came to Alabama. Now that he's come through Alabama, it seems like he's going to go to Oregon. Um, you know, and obviously you mentioned some of the other guys that have already committed, but just weekend as a whole, looking back on it, everything you've heard, people you've talked to, um, seems like it was a pretty good weekend. What else have you heard just about some of the impressions that the new staff has made on some of these guys that, you know, not just key targets, but, you know, I, I know there's a lot of Alabama fans that would give an arm and a leg to try and keep what Ryan Williams in Tuscaloosa, or at least get him to sign with Alabama, uh, sometime next month. It, it seemed like everything went pretty well, or at least as well as it could have given the circumstances this weekend. What, what, what do you know? Yeah, I know that arm and a leg statement is a figure of speech, but I don't think I think there would be multiple Alabama fans that would legitimately <laughs> give two arms, two legs. Um, but yeah, I, you, you hit on a lot of it there. I think, you know, it, originally it was supposed to be a junior day, but that's continued to get pushed back to February 3rd. I think for starters, you know, I hit on that, but Alabama is going to try to get spend some little bit more time on the trail, try to get as many guys as possible. Uh, to talk with and hand out offers just to make that February 3rd junior day be absolutely massive. And of course we'll be following that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, first let's just start with the Washington guys. Like you said, Jabbar Muhammad, uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the transfer portal. I believe he's ranked number four, a uh, key part of that Washington defense uh, outside boundary corner and certainly a position of need uh, at Alabama, just with Kool-Aid McKinstry and um, Taryn Arnold moving on. I know, you know, out, we talked about, uh, all on the boards and all yesterday about how Alabama is now bringing in three five-star cornerbacks, but you know, you never can replicate experience. I think Caleb DeBoer would certainly like to add Jabbar, but as far as his recruitment goes, he, you know, keeping a lot of it close to the vest, um, kind of knows what he's doing to, sort of thing. It's been kind of an interesting one to follow. I think, you know, from talking with people at Texas during the visit and even right after the visit, it was like, Hey, he may not even come visit Tuscaloosa. He's, you know, he's from Texas. He's got two, you know, cousins on the team. I, I said, you know, to myself, I, at least he's going to do DeBoer the favor um, at the very least. But, you know, in talking with people kind of close to the recruitment and reading some other stuff, it seems like he, you know, really enjoyed the visit. Um, you know, a lot of with these Washington guys, it's not so much of seeing the coaching staff, you know, Jamar Muhammad knows the coaching staff. It's, it was good for him to see Kalen DeBoer for the first time since the national championship game. Yeah, but a lot of these, you know, Washington guys are coming to see the facilities and they're coming to see the campus and check in, you know, do they have my, you know, major? What's the academics like? And, and, un, and you know, kind of understandably or assumingly so, a lot of these uh, players and families and people you talk to are kind of completely blown away by the facilities. I mean, that's kind of no shocker there. I know every facility these days is kind of, getting a new one every other year, it seems like. But Alabama, you know, as as most Alabama fans know and across the country, kind of top of the top. But as far as Jabbar goes, like you said, yeah, he, you know, 
wrapped up his Alabama visit, was told it went extremely well. Got to meet with Coach Kane Walmack. Uh, got to kind of talk some X's and O's, see, see uh, what's going on there. Was told he liked it. Um, you know, didn't commit this weekend. We we kind of knew that wasn't going to be the case. He's going to visit Oregon, probably uh, decide after that. That's going to happen this weekend. So we're going to continue to follow that. Um, and then Noah Carter, uh, another Washington, I guess former Washington, you know, number eight edge in 2024, signed with Washington, immediately uh, made plans to get released of his NLI. Um, once Caitlin Labor took over, uh, then quickly confirmed with Bama 247, hey, I'm, make, I'm taking an official visit. The only thing that won't let me, won't, will keep me from taking an official visit is getting released. But he was not getting released in time, got released in time, and uh, took his official visit. Hasn't really said much to many people. Uh, since the visit, I know Blair Angulo with the you know two four seven network talked with him. He said you know he great to see Coach uh, DeBoer again. Great to see kind of a couple of other guys and the facilities were great. Uh, got to meet with Freddie Roach, which was a big thing. I think Freddie again. We know we've talked about. I'm sure we talked about it on this show before too how important Freddie Roach is to this recruiting. Caleb DeBoer talked about the relentless attitude and the Southern ties, and you know he did that with keeping Robert Gillespie and Freddie Roach and adding Kane Womack. Uh, so overall, I think it was a great visit. It went about just as expected. Uh, but yeah, it gets kind of a waiting game with him uh, as well. Uh, just kind of to see what, when, I mean, I, I put this on the Bama boards It's it, it, for the last couple of days. It seems comp, kind of very likely Alabama is going to be the choice. It's just a matter of when at this point, and understandably so, you know, his phone's getting absolutely blown up. I was talking with someone close to his recruitment. It's just, <laughs> you know, I, I like to be kind of wary, like, hey, check with maybe the parent or someone close to the recruitment first. Just he's like, he's getting absolutely blown up. He's just, it, it, it's just crazy. So I, again, I think I, you know, feel very comfortable where with Alabama stands there. And it's certainly, you know, should this happen, it's at a position at the edge that people were kind of clamoring for and you, you never have enough edges and he would be, I think it would be the sixth or seventh highest ranked recruit in the class. So I think Alabama fans, you know, should he end up at Alabama should be very happy about him. He's a kind of, athletic specimen so to speak he didn't start playing edge until a year ago he was actually played wide receiver um and then last year had 55 tackles 11 sacks and i think 10 total touchdowns um so kind of just shows his athleticism and then with ryan williams you know i kind of put a monday night update not really i know people want more but it's just really not much more to be said um beyond that you know the visit went about expected it kind of uh, ryan williams isn't unfamiliar there the only unfamiliar familiarity there is that with the coaching staff which i understand is a big deal but as far as the facility goes or anything like that i mean he knows he he knows his way around that building that camp is probably better than you know coach marcus shepherd i wouldn't be surprised if the rules were flipped a little <laughs> bit yesterday um but yeah he shared a bunch of photos over instagram that i shared on the site just really cool photos the, the details you see in that um are really cool you can really tell and i think that speaks to caleb DeBoer and his staff too about the turn the kind of gigantic turnaround they've had since getting there and handing out offers and hosting and you know he had the hollywood sign and the hollywood walk of fame and things like that but yeah again there's you know not much more to be said i was told he had you know a great time with the offensive staff it wasn't you know immediate turnoff so i think at this point it's a win just with this guy having been committed and decommitting as soon as uh nick saban retired and then getting him uh coach kandemore getting him on campus for an unofficial visit during the week uh, going visiting some coaches visiting him at Saraland and then getting him back for an official visit, I think is a great sign. And you can't really ask for more if you're an Alabama fan uh, of Caleb DeBoer. Um, I think that's it as far as 
guys over the weekend that are targets. I know you mentioned a couple transfers. I know you probably have a little bit of insight of uh, each of those transfers as well. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll get to that in, in just a minute. The, the I had a couple other final thoughts on the on the visits. Um, it was funny to me that like um, you know Ryan Williams, superstar recruit, uh, Noah Carter, superstar recruit, like these guys. You know, obviously, like when anybody comes to visit, whether it's through the transfer portal or for a recruit, you know, they, they get the whole wine and dine experience. Um, it was just really funny to me that like, you know, Ryan Williams and Noah Carter post all these pictures. They go through, you know, the the photo shoot, the visit, they get the tour, all that stuff. So did Jabbar Muhammad. But like this is a dude that's got one year left. He's probably going to go to the league after this, like just very business like, like, yeah. I don't need a photo shoot. I just want to come talk to the coaches. I want to see the facilities. What do I got going on here? Like just two different worlds even though they're all kind of like you know intertwined a little bit i don't know like i just thought that that was kind of funny that like you know not to put like the kids are over there taking pictures and like the vets over there like okay like how does this compare to texas how does this compare to oregon how does you right. know like it i don't know i thought that that dynamic was was a little funny um no, and then the other even, thing too i didn't well, quick, i didn't even think about that but that's an interesting dynamic yeah but if you think about it too with jabbar i believe if he's a senior, NIL may have not been a thing when he was getting recruited. So it's just it's just, just an interesting dynamic there. But yeah, that's a that's a funny thing to point out for sure. Yeah, no, just I don't know. It was that 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 was kind of funny <laughs> to me. The other thing too, and I I made mention of this on the board because I know that our board's all lit up about Ryan Williams and the fact that he was there and it looked like he had a good time. Um, if Ryan Williams comes back, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this too, just because you know these guys, if Ryan Williams ultimately recommits to Alabama, ultimately signs with Alabama next month, I think a lot of credit deserve, deservedly so needs to go to Jalen Mbakwe, five-star cornerback um, from Clay Chalkville, who is already signed and early enrolled, and he has announced that he is staying committed to Alabama, like he is going to see out this Kalen DeBoer transition and whatnot. Those two guys are boys. I've seen them do videos and podcasts together. I've seen them hang out a lot. They post pictures all the time together. Um, it seems like every time Ryan Williams is in town, Jalen Mbakwe is putting him on his Instagram story because he knows it's going to get a ton of reaction. <laughs> but they seem like they seem tight. And if Ryan Williams ultimately becomes a member of the Crimson Tide program, I feel like Jalen Mbakwe is going to deserve a lot of credit for re-recruiting his buddy, um, to join the program. I'm not sure what, what, what more you can add to that, but that just, you know, as somebody who doesn't cover recruiting nearly as in depth as you do, like that's, that's just something that I've been noticing over the last month or so. Yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're exactly right. No disrespect to the new staff, Caleb DeBoer, Shepard or Huff <laughs> or Grubb, but I, you know, ultimately I think if Ryan Williams should decide to come back, sign and enroll at the University of Alabama, I think you you said exactly right. A lot of that needs to go and a lot of flowers and thanks from Alabama fans need to go to Jalen Mbakwe. That you know they've you know covered both of them for a last year, uh been very good friends. You know, you talk to Ryan, you mentioned Jalen, you talk to Jalen, he mentions Ryan. And one thing that was really cool and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it already, but after that state championship game, you know, they played each other in that six A state championship game, Jalen Mbakwe ended up coming out top on top you know there was eight touchdowns in the game uh four from ryan williams four from Jalen Mbakwe. but you know about hour hour 15 minutes after the game when you know media like myself was still badgering these guys and trying to get with Jalen Mbakwe, trying to get with ryan williams they're doing the tv interviews they're doing you know the press game press conference Jalen Mbakwe is the first to go through all that he's sitting out there talking with anybody uh who wants to talk taking videos with anybody who wants to talk for about 30 minutes, so Ryan Williams comes out. And he immediately says, you know, excuse me, 
and walks around, walks to Ryan and they hug immediately. And, you know, Bama boy, Bama boy. And, you know, they're doing their little inside jokes and whatever they're saying to each other. But yeah, they're, I mean, great, great friends. And it's, and, you know, you see that a lot more than in the past. A lot of these kids have played on the same seven on seven team that get, you know, played peewee football together and, and things like that. But yeah, like you said, I think a lot of the credit would probably go to Jalen Mbakwe. I know a lot of people have seen his stories. I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, uh, that whose job is to not follow Jalen Mbakwe also have his Instagram alerts on and things like that. <laughs> uh, you know, the amount of alerts I've got now, I've got the entire Washington roster. I've got the Alabama roster. Uh, hoping maybe to put the Michigan roster on alert soon. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but we don't need to get into all that. Uh, but yeah, like, like you said, another good point by you. I think, you know, they're, they are great, great friends. And I think Caleb DeBoer knows what he's doing and, you know, is going to use, not Jalen Mbakwe to his advantage, but, you know, it, it's a pretty nice addition to have um, to, you know, have a guy he's been so close with uh, on campus. 100%. And final thought here, um, if there's anything we've learned about recruiting, it's that really good players want to play with other really good players. Um, so we'll see if that translates to Ryan Williams ultimately coming to Alabama. Um, but that was just something that I had noticed over the last month or so. I'm just like, hmm, like. Staff would deserve a lot of credit if they ultimately landed Ryan Williams, but I think a lot more credit maybe um, should go to Jalen Mbakwe if they're able to bring Ryan Williams back into the fold for the 2024 class. Alabama has had some success through the transfer portal. I know a lot of what we've been talking about over the last two weeks has been players leaving through the transfer portal, but some good news um, three commitments in four days through the transfer portal for Alabama. Um, all of them, uh, former Washington players, which I think is to be expected. Just, you know, that's where Kalen DeBoer came from. A lot of guys who committed to him are going to want to continue to play for him. Um, three commitments, Austin Mack quarterback, um, you know, still a young quarterback. I think he's, he still has all four years of eligibility left um, coming down to Tuscaloosa. Parker Brailsford, offensive lineman. He was actually the center this past year as a redshirt freshman for the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, which is the best offensive line in college football. So really, really talented player there. And then the third guy, uh, Jeremy Bernard, uh, kind of like you mentioned, Brett, Swiss Army knife. Uh, I, I, I think the, the way I wrote it was like Kendrick Law type skill set, where this is just a guy that can do a lot of stuff. Um, he was the fourth receiver, fifth pass catching offense or option in Washington's offense last year behind um, you know, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, and then also like senior tight end Jack Westover was kind of the fourth pass catching option. And then you got Jeremy Bernard, who even, you know, in an offense that, you know, threw for over 5,000 yards this year, he still had like 30 catches, 400 yards, two touchdowns. He also scored two rushing touchdowns. He also threw a pass, completed it. He also kick return, punt return. Like this is just a guy that can do a lot of stuff. Um, which is why, you know, Kendrick law type skill set. Kendrick yeah. law is another guy that can do a lot of stuff. Um, this seems, and we'll get into, um, you know, kind of how they fit into the team dynamic here in just a second. But I wanted to ask like from a recruiting perspective, Brett, was this as simple as I committed to this coach, this coach is now going to Alabama. I'm going to follow him down to Alabama or what more can you tell us about just the transition that these guys had from, you know, Washington portal, Alabama? Like, is it, is it as simple as that or, or what else could I potentially be missing? Yeah, I, I, it's kind of low-hanging fruit here, but I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I talked with Austin Mack as, as soon as after the decision, and I kind of said just kind of 
explain this. I kind of let them, you know, let set the stage for them, try to let them speak and, you know, get some more thoughts and ask more questions based off that. But, you know, he kind of said it was like, quote, like symbolizes my relationship with Coach DeBoer and Coach Grubb. I mean, he kind of put it very simply that, you know, <laughs> these guys believed in me. I don't, I mean, I wrote about this, but Austin Mack was a 2024 guy, uh, reclassed to 2023. Got, they got him to sign twice. So very clearly Mack understands that DeBoer and Grubb uh, love him. That he knows that he's their guy, whether it be next year or the next year or whatever it may be. You know, he's got four years of eligibility, like I was saying. But yeah, you know, talking with him, you know, he mentioned how you know it's prestigious, you know, University of Alabama. It's prestigious and a long lineage of winning, and the honor of playing at the University of Alabama and Bryant Denny Stadium is incredible for him and things like that. But you know, he kept coming back to you know, comfortable in the offense. These guys believed in me. I believe in them. So as far as Austin Matt goes, I'm comfortable with saying, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cut and dry. Hey, <laughs> where's the board going? Okay. I'm going there type of thing. <laughs> um, and then as far as Parker Brailsford go, you know, I kind of was hinting at it all week, you know, didn't get a clear defined answer until, you know, I submitted that crystal ball a couple hours before he ended up committing. But, you know, after that initial conversation with some people at, seemed very clear that Alabama was a team to beat, put that on the board, continued to feel good about that. You know, he wasn't going to take, was originally told he was probably not going to take any visits. Then that quickly changed to an Alabama visit. And that was it. Uh, kind of had an anticipation that was going to happen over the weekend, ended up happening over the weekend. I believe it was Saturday afternoon. Um, and just talk with him, people close to the program. It was, yeah, it was certainly coach DeBoer, but also coach Scott Huff, the offensive line coach, he, you know, Someone was close to was talking to me how Parker thinks, you know, and truly believes he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Uh, certainly has the facts to back that up coming off a of Joe Moore award. Uh, so and the opportunity to play for him and opportunity and have a chance to play for national championship. And he understands that he can do that at Alabama. So, again, I think relationships played a big part there as well. Haven't been able to really pin down anyone close to the Jeremy Bernard camp. I would be comfortable with saying i would imagine that the relationships played a big part here uh just like you know you talked about at the uh, top of the show uh it's very clear that DeBoer wanted his offensive staff together as soon as possible um and you know i, I again i think it's fair to say that jeremy bernard and relationships you know i mean he, the kid looks up and his entire coaching staff and offensive playbook is in tuscaloosa why not come over here and you know so-and-so's left and so-and-so's left there's an op there's an option. I could be wide receiver one. I could be wide receiver three. Uh, I could go kick return. I can go punt return. I'm going to come over here. But yeah, overall, you know, I don't think it was, like you said, a surprising or shocking to see that the first three transfer portal additions were from Washington. We know we talked about that when that first happened. I know you've got a great piece up on transfer portal additions with a lot of guys from Washington. One thing to note is that's one of few rosters that are open for poaching or transfer portal to begin with right now. But again, you know, I don't think it was shocking. And, you know, we could talk about how they fit um, with, you know, Parker Brailsford, you know, I know Cody's got a little bit more on him, but, you know, a freshman All-American center, you can't really get much better than that. Um, but yeah, again, I think this all played into relationships. I think to kind of speaks to DeBoer's, you know, what he said on that Ishinoshi press conference was, you know, not a lie, not untruthful. I mean, he really, truly seems like a genuine guy and the everyone you talk to seems to kind of carry that same sentiment. Yeah, no. And I, it, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, you look at the guys that are coming in, right? Like it's 
his offensive staff, Kalen DeBoer, right? He brought in Ryan Grubb, who was the offensive coordinator the last two years at Washington. He retained Robert Gillespie, who's the running backs coach here, which maybe, maybe that helps explain just a random thought here why we haven't really seen a lot of turnover in terms of Alabama's running back room. Like at the beginning, you know, at the end of the year, as we're looking ahead, right? Roy Dell Williams hits the portal, but Alabama's running back room, Jam Miller, Justice Haynes, Richard Young, and then plus Daniel Hill and Kevin Riley, who are coming in with the 2024 class. Um, haven't really heard or seen a lot of movement there. Maybe that's a shout out to Robert Gillespie for being retained, right? But then in addition to that, you've also got Marcus Shepard, wide receivers coach. That seems to make sense for a guy like Jeremy Bernard. Um, they're bringing in Nick Sheridan, tight ends coach. And then also, like you mentioned, Scott Hupp, offensive line coach. Um, I think another thing maybe to keep in mind here, Parker Brailsford, not the only Washington offensive lineman in the portal. I don't know how the rest of them maybe fit um, in terms of, on the Alabama roster. I know currently Alabama probably needs more offensive tackles than interior offensive linemen, which you look at a lot of the Washington guys that are in the portal, um, maybe have played a lot more interior offensive line than they have offensive tackle. Um, they also, some of them look like they have the frame that they could become offensive tackles, but you know, that's a bridge we'll cross if, and when we get there. Um, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Like I, you kind of hit on it. Like, the, you know, Grubb also coaches the quarterbacks in addition to the OC. Makes sense why Mac would come down. Jamarcus Shepard um, took Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. All those guys are going to be playing in the league next year. Makes sense why Jeremy Bernard would want to come down. Same thing you hit on it with Scott Huff. Um, you know, being the position coach of the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, like, you know, now you've got the center who was calling all the shots for that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. Um, you know, it seems to me just kind of running down them like Austin Mack, not sure if he's going to be the starter. I'm very curious to see kind of how spring ball works. Cause you have a guy coming in that's pretty talented, knows the system. Um, but you've also got Jalen Milrow over here. Um, you also have Ty Simpson who by all accounts probably sticking around Tuscaloosa. So three really talented quarterbacks, um, you know, if Austin Mack is not the guy, like, can he push the entire room forward? Can he help guy, you know, can he help Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, you know, adjust to the offense? Can he help them learn the offense, the terminology, what exactly Grubb and, and DeBoer are looking for in terms of what they want out of the quarterback? Um, be kind of interesting to see that dynamic. Parker Brailsford seems very simple, plug and play. Um, Seth McLaughlin, the center last year, had a year left. He's now at Ohio State. Um, center was kind of a question. I know you love your guy, Casey Poe. Um, but when you get a guy like Parker Brailsford, kind of got to play that guy, right? So sorry, that makes Casey. a lot of sense. Sorry, Casey. I know you're um, listening to this. I know you're listening to this. So sorry, Casey. We, we do love you, Casey Poe. Um, but just sometimes that's the game, right? Um, yep. But then I think the other thing that's kind of interesting to me, though, just kind of looking at, um, you know, what's Jeremy Bernard's role going to be? Um, he could be wide receiver one. He could be wide receiver four. We're not a really we're not 100 percent sure what exactly this is going to look like. The one thing I do know, though, is that with Grubb and DeBoer now down here, Alabama is probably going to throw the ball a lot. Um, <laughs> there's not, you know. Obviously, like that's what they did at Washington the last two years, one of the most prolific offenses in college football the last two years. But here's some funny stats to pack it up. I say funny. They're probably more fun than funny. Jeremy Bernard last year, like 35 catches, um, 400 yards, two touchdowns. He was the fifth most targeted pass catching off option in Washington's offense. He was targeted 44 times last year. That was behind Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan and Jack West over the tight end. Alabama only had two pass catching options last year that were targeted more than 40 times. 
And that was Isaiah Bond, who was targeted 75 times. He's now at Texas. And Jermaine Burton, who was targeted 57 times. He's now on his way to the NFL. The next most targeted option, Amari Nyblack, he's now at Texas. Um, Alabama's going to throw the ball next year, which is like exciting because that's just with Nick Saban here. I know that they adjusted their offensive philosophy with guys like Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays, but like it's going to be a different type of offense than what Alabama fans I think are really used to. And I think they should be excited about that. Um, you know, we'll see if Jeremy Bernard will be wide receiver one in this offense. And if he is, he's going to get, you know, Roman Dunze had 140 targets last year, um, almost a hundred catches, um, like second in the nation with like 1500 receiving yards. There's a reason he's going to be a day one NFL draft pick. Um, we'll see if Jeremy Bernard can do that. But like, if you're a guy like Kobe Prentice, for example, or a Kendrick law or a Jalen Hale, um, you should be pretty excited about the offense that's making its way to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Um, and then a guy like Jeremy Bernard, who, you know, you hope he's a good enough guy that can help the receiver room kind of understand like, hey, here are the different roles in this offense. We'll figure out who fits best where like Jalen Hale, for example, is a true freshman, a lot of deep routes like he yep. just they basically put him out wide and said, run deep, kid. And more often than not early in the season, like when he got his opportunities, when he got his targets, he made the most of them. guy like Kobe Prentice, more of that Isaiah Bond role, kind of that slot receiver. So like he can kind of. He can run a lot. He's, he's he's pretty versatile receiver, but I think he does his most damage, like kind of running those underneath routes and then yards after catch. Right. So Bernard, a little bit bigger, right? Six foot one, 203 pounds or roughly around there. Like he's a guy that, you know, he could be a chess piece when it comes to Alabama's pass offense. So maybe he's wide receiver one. Um, I imagine he really likes this offense and likes what his potential role could be. Otherwise, he wouldn't have transferred down here. Um, but I'll just be kind of really curious to kind of see how all of that comes together. I don't know if you have anything to add there, but those were kind of the preliminary thoughts I had on some of these new guys. Yeah, for starters, that that uh, statistic you just threw out was kind of mind-boggling. I don't know if you saw me. I was kind of raising my eyebrows a little bit. I'll, that, I'll, I'll say it again so that people can understand. Yeah. Jeremy Bernard was the fifth option in Washington's pass offense last year and had 44 targets, he would have been the third most targeted uh, pass catching off op option in Alabama's offense this past year. Um, <laughs> Alabama's going to throw the ball next year. People need to be excited uh, about that. Um, real quick. Yeah. You know, I, I know we're talking about receivers here, uh, but another guy I think is really going to benefit from this and has indicated multiple times via social media that he's going to stay is Caleb Odom. Um, I think, you know, with the departure of Amari and I black, you know, I know you've got the Dan, you got Danny Lewis and CJ Dupree and Robbie Oots uh, at the tight end. And Oots is kind of that fullback position. But like you said, Alabama's going to want to throw the ball. I think Oots and Danny Lewis and, and TJ dip are kind of those more blocking tight ends, get out in the flat, get a, you know, safety blanket but Caleb Odom he's talked you know I've talked about it on this podcast before and on Bama 247 all fall into the winter he I mean he lined up outside for Carrollton 99 percent of the time um I you know I know it's a little bit different in high school the kid's 6'5 and there's no cornerback or safety that's 6'5 so you kind of just match him <laughs> up he's just a matchup nightmare um but I I think he's gonna really benefit from this he's like of the tight end room is kind of that only correct me if I'm wrong, but only downfield threat kind of can kind of take the top off the defense. If you're talking about, you know, between that room, um, I think he's going to really, really benefit. But again, yeah, a guy like Jeremy Bernard, I think that's just extremely interesting statistic. Not only is he going to come over here with the most knowledge of the offense, he's 
I guess the most experienced. I, 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 you know, I know Kendrick Law and Kobe Prentice and Jalen Hill have played in the SEC, and Jalen Hill has shown his ability against guys like Ole Miss or things like that. But, uh, you know, experience is the best. You know, best medicine. It's the best thing for you. Um, it's gonna be really interesting. And and you know, kind of just thinking about it right now, that I kind of, I would love. You know, first play of the season, Milrow. You know. That, uh, you know, in the shotgun and have Kendrick Law and Jeremy Bernard next to him on either side and then uh, Justice Haynes on the backfield. Don't even listen to me. I'm just thinking out loud. I just that, that, would, be, <laughs> that would be an exciting uh, formation for me to see. But, yeah, I, I, to kind of wrap up the the additions, you know, Austin Mack's going to he's six six two fifty. I think it is. I mean, you, it's very clear uh, by some of the offers handed out recently to what. Uh, the type of quarterback Caleb DeBoer wants. And the guy's got four years. Uh, you know, he, yeah, I know you, I like that you mentioned it. He talked to me as well about how he's going to be there for, you know, I talked about him walking into a loaded quarterback room. He was like, Hey man, I, you know, my whole life has been competition. It was a loaded quarterback room at Washington. I knew, you know, I knew I was coming as a redshirt. I knew I wasn't going to play, but you know, that didn't change. And, and I'm happy to help out Jalen Miller and Ty Simpson and Dylan Lonergan with the playbook. Uh, and then Parker Brayfield again, you know, not much more to be said, plug and play, uh, I know people are going to look at his size and, you know, Alabama fans will be Alabama fans and say, oh, 275. One, you know, maybe that's the new way it's going. I, You know, I know he had a tough time against Michigan, but so did Seth McLaughlin and the entire offensive line, and he played pretty damn well against Texas, uh, who, you know, Alabama I think if, uh, didn't if Parker Brailsford can just figure out his snapping, like as long as he doesn't have no snapping issues, Alabama fans are going to love that dude. Um Correct. I and, also you know, think that, like, you know, Alabama's offensive line was pretty heavy last year and it struggled quite a bit. So maybe going in the opposite direction where you have a little bit lighter, a little bit more agile, like it doesn't sound like he lacks for strength, but just, you know, going the opposite direction from last year's unit um, doesn't hurt, right? Like, just at least to just kind of see. Also, like, if he really does need to bulk up a little bit, um, Alabama kept the, you know, DeBoer kept the strength and conditioning staff um, intact. So like, you know, David Ballou, <laughs> Jeff Allen, like they're going to get a hold of that dude. And if he needs to put on 15 pounds, he'll put on 15 pounds. Yeah. And then a final thought on Brailsford, just, and I know, you know, you talked about it a little bit and we can get into the portal and things like that, but, you know, haven't done a whole lot of research, but just on paper, quick look, Tyler Booker at left guard, Brailsford at center and Jaden Roberts at right guard is a pretty nasty interior offensive line big thumbs um, up big i don't know up. you could do that that's cool um <laughs> i mean that's a pretty i don't know about you but one of the nastier offensive lines just knowing and you know following tyler booker and jane roberts and the way he tweets and things like that i know that doesn't you know i'm, I'm talking about how good they are on the field and throwing out tweets but i'm just saying that alabama mindset and we know how booker is i know there's going to be some questions that tackle the you know, gotten to kill Bertrand from, you know, A&M. Is he going to be ready to go in time? Who knows yet? But, you know, I, I, Cody Shaker said, no, he will not be ready to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be some questions at tackle, but, uh, you know, you've got, <laughs> overall, I mean, man, from kind of the mess exodus, and I know I keep kind of changing subjects here and flipping pages, but, you know, two weeks in, the roster still looks in very, good. very good shape. Very good. And, and, and to be fair, it is the most talented. It was the most talented roster in college football. So even if you did lose some guys, you're going to still have a good roster. But you know, looking at it, I mean, if if everybody on the front seven who said or indicated they're staying is going to stay, uh, including the linebackers, you're in 
really good shape there. You seem to be in really good shape at receiver. Maybe nitpicking the receiver. Maybe you want to say, hey, who's going to be that alpha, but you're hoping that's going to show itself in spring. Seem to be pretty good at running back. Seem to be pretty good at quarterback. So, I mean, as as brutal it was on the Bama boards and on Twitter, it, I, I think, I mean, I can't overstate how good of a job Cameron DeBoer and his staff have done, truly. Yeah, no, he's uh, <clears throat> he's he's done really well. I think if you're looking at the roster right now, and we'll we'll tie a bow on this because I wanted to get to kind of, um, you know, where these guys have been recruiting at yeah. for the last week or so, and we'll we'll touch on you know some of the 2025 offers they've got handed out. Um, so to tie a bow on this part of the conversation, if you look at the depth chart, um, really the two biggest needs ahead of spring ball: offensive tackles and cornerbacks. And cornerbacks, I you know, offensive tackle. There's only four dudes there. Um, Elijah Pritchett, Miles McVeigh, Wilkin Formby, and uh, Nick Bertrand, who came in from AM, hadn't played at all this past year. And then Elijah Pritchett, McVeigh, and Formby have played, I think, a combined less than 200 total snaps at, at tackle. So, like, that worries you a little bit. Cornerback, there's a lot of talent in that room, right? Damani Jackson's a former five star, transferred in from USC. Then you got Tony Mitchell, Jaleel Hurley, plus we mentioned Jalen Mbakwe, Zabian Brown still sticking around. Um, so, there's a lot of talent in that room. I think you want a little bit more depth. I think you want a little bit of experience there. Um, so, you know, we actually, I wrote up something yesterday for Bama 247, just like guys that they could maybe target. Um, obviously, Jabbar Muhammad's at the top of that list, but there's also, um, you know, a couple other cornerbacks that are in the transfer portal, like Devin Harris or Denver Harris, excuse me, who started at AM, went to LSU's, kind of struggled a little bit. He's a former four star guy. I think if you bring in a guy like that, it's kind of a bet on the coaching staff that they can kind of help him reach his potential. But then also, Ephesians Prysock from Arizona. Um, if you look at kind of the the way the coaching carousel kind of rippled after Saban retired, right? Saban leaves, DeBoer leaves Washington, Jed Fish leaves Arizona to go to Washington. Um, more dominoes fell after that, but like Arizona's roster is open. Um, it would make sense for, you know, Prysock to follow Fish to Washington. Um, doesn't sound like that that's like 100% a lock. So is that a guy that you can get on campus sometime soon, or at least reach out, make a phone call, make contact? I'm not sure if they have. I don't know if that's in their plans, but you know that's a long, wiry cornerback who, honorable mention, all Pac-12. Um, it gets you another body with experience in the room, which I think could help. Um, those are kind of the two positions we'll see ultimately what they do there when it comes to transfer portal stuff. Alabama's kind of limited in where they can go to add guys right now. Um, you mentioned Michigan earlier at the top of the show. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, they would be subject to the same 30-day transfer portal window. So then, you know, the same vultures that kind of circled Alabama's roster can probably start circling Michigan's roster. That's only if Harbaugh leaves. And the other thing to remember there, too, is that, you know, if Harbaugh leaves, they could open up a national search, which could potentially open more rosters open, depending on who they hire. Or... And I think this is probably more likely than not. They could promote Sharon Moore from offensive coordinator to head coach. And I think if they do that, um, they'll probably retain 99% of their roster because that's a guy that, you know, he was the head coach for six games this past season while Harbaugh was serving his suspensions. The players obviously love him. Um, it would be a really easy way to maybe create stability there. So, um, you know, you're looking at when can Alabama maybe restock and chase an offensive tackle? Probably not till the spring transfer portal window. Um, which is April 16th through the 30th. So it would be, you know, near the end of spring ball when that opens up. And, you know, by then Alabama's new staff will have been through spring ball. They'll, they'll kind of get a sense of, okay, what do we like about the offense? What do we like about the defense? Where do we need to go? Is it more than just tackling cornerback? Like, where do we need to go in the portal to find some guys? Um, and the spring portal window is definitely more 
you know, we're going to find guys that we know we can plug and play. Um, so that'll be, you know, we're a few months away from that, but that's something that we'll obviously monitor, um, as well. Any final thoughts there before we kind of dig into, uh, where, uh, the coaches have gone on the recruiting trail? Yeah. What was it? A Cephians Pyrock Pyrock Ephesians Prysock from Arizona. I want him to come to Alabama just so we can have Tall T and Rodak say those names every, every other day. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think you kind of wrapped it up there. And, you know, I guess one final thought, it's kind of repeating myself here, but again, what DeBoer and his staff have been able to do, I think the last, you know, 13 days has been extremely impressive. I, I know, I know some Alabama fans saw some quotes of 2025 guys, you know, mentioning they haven't been talked to or things like that. And, you know, uh, there's only so many hours in the day. I mean, priority one, what we talked with Cody and Mike and John and Kirk and I have talked about at nauseum. Priority number one was retaining the current roster. And I know we've seen some guys leave like Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor and Julian Sayan and Jameer Grimsley, those two in, early enrollees. But, you know, the Caleb Down ones, you know, looking from a mile out, it was, you know, not really unexpected. I mean, he, you know, his entire staff left. He came in Alabama and Char who Charles Kelly recruited him and he left. And then T-Rob left and Nick or Saban left and T-Rob left. So you didn't blame the kid. The Caden Proctors, you know, wanted to go back home. You know, I don't, I don't think that's on Caden, Kalen DeBoer at all. But, you know, again, I think if you were sitting here in 13 days and said, here, here's, you're going to be your roster. I think Alabama fans should and have every right to be pretty excited uh, about next season. And, you know, I saw some tweets that are making me laugh the other day. It's just, you know, yeah, you can come and poach Alabama's roster right now. And we can't do it. And Alabama can't do anything about it. But, you know, come April 16th, you know, <laughs> you've got a guy we want. Um, we're going to go after him type of thing. So it's going to be very interested to see uh, how the portal goes up in April. And I know uh, if you remember, I know Trey Amos has already transferred out, but he was a late ad, uh, played pretty well in the SEC championship game. Landon Dickerson was a late. Landon Dickerson was a late ad, uh, was – Pretty good uh, offensive lines and uh, center for the Crimson Tide. So you can certainly find some guys uh, in the spring. Um, last thing I wanted to get with you today, Brett, was just that uh, in addition to transfer portal stuff, um, the staff has been, I mean, one of the reasons why DeBoer really wanted to bring his staff together quickly was to get back out on the recruiting trail um, to really start forming those relationships in and around the SEC. He did a very, he was very intentional about the staff that he put together, especially defensively so far of just having those Southern ties, having guys that know the area, that know the region. Um, you know, if you're looking at his defensive staff so far, again, not 100% finalized, but um, Kane Womack, who was the sitting head coach at South Alabama, he's now the defensive coordinator. Uh, Freddie Roach was retained, defensive line coach. That's a big one. That's why maybe haven't really seen or heard of a ton of turnover on Alabama's defensive line. That could be a shout out to Freddie Roach, right? In the same way that the running back room has been pretty stable with, uh, with uh, Robert Gillespie up there. Um, also bringing in another sitting head coach, Maurice Lindquist from Buffalo. Um, sounds like he's going to be, you know, kind of the associate defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach in some capacity. Also Colin Hitchler, um, who was the sitting defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. He's going to come down here and be the, you know, safeties coach or at least help with the defensive backs in some capacity. Um, a lot of guys that are really, really good recruiters that know the SEC. Um, and the one thing that maybe has struck me just based on your updates and some other stuff that I've been seeing, Brett, um, the coaching staff has made their way out to start recruiting. And I think that it looks like they started with, you know, kind of re-recruiting the roster first. And really a lot of the guys that signed early in the 2024 class 
the coaching staff really kind of made it a point to not just call those parents and those families of those kids, but like, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, Courtney Morgan, who's the, you know, the GM now for Alabama and Mo Linquist, they, they went all the way out to California to talk with Peyton Woodyard's family, for example. And that's just one example. You know, they probably did that with a lot of those 2024 kids. Like, hey, we're the new guys. We're the guys that are going to be here to coach your kids. We want to come all the way out here and spend a day to just let, you know, make sure that you guys know who we are so that you guys feel comfortable. We obviously feel comfortable about the kids that are staying. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. We're going to touch on some of the 2025 guys here in just a moment, but just, it seems like the coaching staff is like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I thought that that was a really, really cool thing, not only to retain a lot of the early enrollees and the guys on the current roster, but really going out to making sure like, Hey, your kids signed to play with Nick Saban. He retired. We're the new guys. Your kids safe. I thought, I don't know that that seems like the message that they were sending with going out and seeing some of those families. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for starters, you know, there's a human element to this. I know it's SEC football and it just means more, but you got to, you know, you got to think about it. You're sending your kid and, you know, if you're Peyton Woodyard or Xavier Brown's parents across the country to, you know, ultimately work for somebody that you are extremely comfortable with, you've talked with, uh, you know, countless times, you know the product, you know what's going to happen. And in a matter of days, it kind of gets turn upside down, so to speak. Now, you know, your kid, your 17, 18-year-old kid is across the country uh, in college, nonetheless, taking classes, figuring out where his classes are. Now he doesn't know who his position coach is. Um, so, you know, just uh, just that to say, uh, there's a human element to this. And I think, you know, obviously Nick Saban and his staff uh, had that as well in recruiting a down pat to a science. But, you know, I thought it was very encouraging and very cool to see, you know, Maurice Linguist and, you know, Courtney Morgan get on that private jet. I believe it was Saturday morning. And, you know, I kind of was scouring all afternoon in the morning. Hey, where's he? Where's he? You know, I know they turned on the turned off the plane tracker um, and, you know, trying to figure out. But through sources, I was able to confirm, you know, he spoke with Peyton Woodyard's family. He spoke with Xavier Brown's family. He spoke with Damani Jackson's family. So those are three corners, um, you know, two early enrollees and a transfer uh, talking to their families. I know Peyton Woodyard's dad put out a tweet, you know, thanks to these guys coming by, they watched the 49ers game together. So I think, you know, yeah, there was some football talk there and maybe some X's and O's if the parents asked, but I, I'd imagine those conversations are, you know, here's where I'm from. Here's what I'm about. You know, here's your kid, you know, we've got them type thing. So I thought that was, you know, very, very cool to see. And, you know, I, in the beginning of the DeBoer tenure, which it's funny, it still is the very beginning of the DeBoer tenure. But, Literally, you know, that first this is the start of week two right now. <laughs> yeah. as we're recording this. <laughs> week two. Don't tell me that, Cody. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, and then another thing, you know, when he first took the job, you saw maybe a couple offers being handed out that were West Coast and, you know, Alabama fans starting to get very angry. Then you throw in the 2025 kids saying he hasn't been heard from and, oh, my God, and, you know, DeBoer's this, DeBoer's that. Uh, but then, you know, you saw it beginning yesterday, Monday morning, clearly some contracts were finalized and signed, and DeBoer, uh, Kane Womack, Scott Huff, Ryan Grubb, uh, Shepard, and I think a few other guys were all throughout the Southeast, confirmed stops in Mississippi, Georgia, and Alabama. Uh, that's Southeast. If I, you know, if I know anything at all, that's the Southeast. I know Freddie Roach was around as well in Alabama. They've made stops all around the state of Alabama. They were in uh, Carrollton High School. 
threw out an offer to 2025 quarterback Julian Lewis. Uh, re- recently reclassed from 26. He was the number one player. He's now the number four quarterback in 2025. Handed him an offer. Uh, handed an offer to Deuce Knight, a Notre Dame commit. Uh, quarterback, 6'5", 200 pounds out in Lewisdale, Mississippi. Another one of those guys that kind of fits the mold of what we think of Caleb DeBoer. Likes that the quarterback is from a measurables standpoint. Um, and then an interesting one was also DeBoer and Kane Womack went back down to Mobile. Of course, you know, extremely close to the home of Ryan Williams. Not, I'm still trying to confirm if they were with him. Wouldn't be surprised if they didn't check in again just because it seemed like Ryan Williams was in Tuscaloosa the entire week. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get back down there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of plenty of times. Um, but yeah, they, you know, went down to mobile and talked with, uh, Micah DeBose, uh, four-star offensive tackle out of mobile. He went to Viger high school, was committed to Georgia for a while, uh, decommitted, I believe it was December or late November. I, I can't remember. Uh, was very, you know, before Nick Saban was very, cons- very seriously considering Alabama, you know, had multiple conversations with him. Um, and it was it was pretty cool to hear, you know, about a week ago, I think today, so Tuesday, the 16th, uh, Jamie Mosley, who was, you know, retained staffer, former Alabama linebacker and also fellow Mobile native, uh, went over to Micah when he was working out on Tuesday morning, drove over, talked to him and just let him know, hey, you know, your offer still stands. Uh, we're going to still go after you. We want you. Your priority was able to talk with him and his high school coach, Marcus Cook, about that. That, you know, Micah said, you know, that was very kind of gratifying you know means a lot to knows that you know he's still a priority he said himself he thought you know Alabama would kind of fizzle away but you know now they're right there with the Auburns LSU Ohio State and whoever else that kid you know really wants to go to because he's such an elite talent um, and talk with his coach too and you know kind of giving DeBoer his flowers again you know that Micah or he was telling me that Micah was telling him you know it's very good that you know coach kept Freddie Roach and Robert Gillespie I know those aren't wouldn't be his position coaches, but you know keep those southern ties. And then you know talked about Coach Kane Walmack for a while. I mean, it's got to be kind of a gut punch if you're South Alabama to see Walmack back down in Mobile. You know, some odd four a four some odd days later uh, in an Alabama college football playoff uh, hoodie. Um, but you know, I, I think bringing Walmack down is a no brainer. Hiring him, I thought was a no brainer just from a recruiting aspect and certainly defensive. I know. Rodak and Tall Junior South could probably get more into the defensive, you know, field aspect of it. But, you know, we've seen it recruiting, you know, how he's going to use Womack to his advantage and knows how valuable he is. And then, you know, another guy that they went and see, well, they couldn't speak with because he was a 26 guy, but I thought it was interesting to talk with him was Anthony Jones, number one linebacker in 2026. Coach DeBoer and King Womack wants to go speak with his head coach. It was just kind of, they weren't able to speak just because of his classification and certain rules, but was very interested to hear his thoughts on the board. You know, Alabama kid didn't really hear much about him, but knows all about you know Coach Womack. Coach Womack would come into St. Paul's High School in Mobile as well, and all throughout recruitment since he was a freshman, kind of just checking in on his head with his head coach and things like that. So you know, still a long ways away with Anthony Jones, twenty twenty six guy, but starting you see that you know Womack's already kind of playing, paying dividends. You know, he's very well respected down in uh, in the state of Alabama and certainly in southern Alabama, which produces a lot of talent. You know, Sterling Dixon came came from uh, Spanish Fort in the 2024 class. Yeah, 100%. That'll be uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll monitor a little bit more of 2025 once we maybe get through February and put the, you know, put the final pins on the 2024 class. But, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that we brought that up because it does seem like 
um, the coaching staff not only hit the ground running with some transfer portal stuff with obviously retaining as much of the roster and the, you know, the 2024 class as much as they could, but um, clearly they're already out, you know, trying to rebuild, I guess, um, Alabama's 2025 class. I know at one point it was the top ranked recruiting class. It's still very, very early for 2025, but at one point, you know, it was trending toward being again, one of the top classes in 2025. Um, after Saban retired, it seemed like it just kind of emptied out and the new staff is starting from scratch a little bit, but already starting to make some of those inroads with a lot of elite guys. Um, they're starting to make some calls, make some visits and whatnot, obviously handing out a bunch of offers, um, you know, and so it would make sense that they're also maybe starting to, you know, check out 2026 a little bit too. So, um, you know, kind of laying the groundwork for, you know, not just what the next month is going to look like, but really, you know, what the next year is going to look like as they um, go about putting together the, the 2025 recruiting class, which, you know, that'll be, you know, no pressure on the new guys, but like that's that's going to be their first true recruiting class, right? Like 2025, who are they able to go get? Who are they going to offer? What what are those recruiting battles going to be like? Like that 2025 class, um, you know, I don't know that it's going to tell us everything about Kalen DeBoer and his new staff, but it will, I think, tell us a lot. Like, what is this first class going to look like? How good is it going to be? What kind of superstars are you going to get in this class? Um, you know, it, it will be revealing in more ways than one. It won't be kind of the, you know, oh, this is what you're going to get for the Kalen DeBoer era, but um, you know, obviously you want to start out on a really good foot when, you know, this is your first recruiting class start to finish. So I'll be kind of curious to see how that ultimately unfolds over the next year. Or so you got any other final thoughts when it comes to recruiting trail stuff and, and 2025 and offers? Yeah, just one final thought, just as far as the 2025 class goes. I know Cody hit on it there. Yeah, they were, you know, number one in the country since kind of really falling off. You know, I know a lot of guys have decommitted and I've talked about it on the Bama boards and most people are aware of this, but Guys like Jamie French and Mason Short, Dontrell Glover, Zion Grady decommitting, at least to me uh, as a recruiting reporter, is not surprising at all. Um, you know, even if they stayed committed, there's still little under a year before Penn hits paper. We saw how crazy the last cycle was. I don't blame these kids. These kids are 16, 17 years old. They're highly ranked talents. They're five stars, you know. Clearly, they were comfortable with Alabama, but it was similar to the, you know, what I was talking about, Caleb Downs. It's a whole new staff. I mean, and, you know, them decommit Zion Grady decommitting, you know, the Alabama kid, Dontrell Govern decommitting, some other guys, is not to say they're not on Alabama. You know, they're not interested. They're very clearly still interested in Alabama. I know a lot of people talk about how you commit to Nick Saban and not the logo, but a lot of these kids carry that Alabama is the standard sentiment. Um, it, it, you know, Will Coach DeBoer still go after those guys? I don't know. It's going to be a new staff. But, again, I just want to let people know that it's not surprising. Um, and, it, 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 you know, you can't blame the kid for, you know, these kids for opening reopening their recruitment. I mean, they're highly ranked guys, um, and you just – you simply can't blame them. Yeah, no, that could that could be an entire other podcast. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll put a bookmark in that for, for the offseason, right, when we get to June. Um, you know, just the idea that, um, you know, kids commit to coaches more often than not nowadays, especially the elite, the elite guys. Um, you know, so when that coach leaves, you know, they, they start to look around, they start to, you know, okay, where is that coach going? What are some of the other relationships I built while recruiting? Again, this could be a whole other show, but like, you know, it, it should not be a surprise to see as much turnover as there has been because Nick Saban decided to retire um, you know, but Hey, shouts out to the new staff for retaining as much of the roster as they have, um, shouts out to them for also, you know, jumping back into the recruiting game and, and starting to polish off 2024 and really look ahead to 2025 and shouts out to you, Brett, for taking the time to come chat with us about all of that. 
um, on today's show. A lot to look forward to if you're an Alabama fan, um, not just you know over the next month or so as the new staff continues to get rolling, um, but also over the next year um, as they start to put together the 2025 class. That's all we've got today, guys. We appreciate y'all listening. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Believe we are still running a special. I feel like we're always running a special. 60% off of an annual VIP membership. Believe it comes out to $43 for the entire year. All of Brett's recruiting intel and knowledge and expertise, you can get all of that for less than $50 for an entire year. If you come join Bama 247, you should absolutely take advantage of that. I put a link to it in the show notes. Thank you again, Brett for coming to talk with us. We appreciate you guys always for listening. We will talk to you all again soon. See you guys.